All right, we are continuing in our series, The Missing Peace, the Holy Spirit. And I think we, we called it that. I shared a story on the first day about um, the, the foundational understanding of the gospel with, with uh, law and grace. And the third piece is the Holy Spirit. And if we don't feel, if we don't talk about the Holy Spirit, if we don't look to the Holy Spirit, then what happens if you remember, if you watched, is that we go from a law to grace to a law church. And the law church just puts more burdens on people. Um, and so if, we, if you don't have a strong theology or basic understanding of the Holy Spirit, because understand, I've said this before, that now Jesus has ascended and he sits at the right hand of the Father. One day Jesus will return. But until that point, uh, Lord Jesus, or Jesus has Lord over the church, uh, now, uh, the Holy Spirit is Lord in the church, in you, in me. It is the Holy Spirit does, does, is the agent of the Trinity that is actively at work in our lives and in this world today. So I would say that's pretty important that we have an understanding. So, and so some of this stuff, this is sometimes you have series that are more inspirational or emotional, spiritual in a sense, and then... You have those that are also very much teaching, and this series has a lot of teaching. Um, so we might go over some things a couple times, or you might hear them a couple times. But our scripture today, today we're talking about being born of the Spirit. That's where the Spirit comes into our lives. And our scripture today is uh, the Gospel of John chapter 3, um, verses 1 through 8. Listen for the word of the Lord. Now, there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, truly, truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter, in a, enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows whenever it pleases, wherever it pleases. You hear it, its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. This is the word of God for the people of God. So... To understand what, how we got to this point where Jesus is talking to Nicodemus about being born of the Spirit, we need to do a little review and go back to Genesis chapter 3. Yeah, and, and the more I learn, the, the older I get, the more information I have, uh, the more astounding I think Genesis chapter 3 is. Uh, the, the, it is really a, a mini version uh, of the entire gospel, uh, of uh, it has it is so rich with information. So, in Genesis three, 
we see what happens is that um, until that point, everything was perfect. Right? We had, it was perfect unity with God, perfect unity between one another, perfect uni- uh, unity with humanity and God's creation. It was perfect. And then in Genesis 3, what happens? God expresses his will. He make, gives a command, or uh, the first law, if you will, and says, you can have all of this is yours, but just don't eat from the tree of uh, good and evil, knowledge of good and evil. You can't mess with good and evil. That's way above your pay grade. And so he just says, do this one thing, this one command, follow my will, obey my command, obey the law because it's best for you. And that's entirely the law throughout Scripture. God is always telling them through the prophets, through the patriarchs, that follow the law, stay in covenant because it's what's going to be best for you. And so we have this situation, and then we know what the tempter does. The tempter comes, and he tempts them because they have been given this gift of free will, and he tempts them, tempts them to do what? To break faith with God, to, to not trust God. They said, he told us not to eat, and, and the tempter comes in and says, what did God say? God said this, that you would die. And he says what? Surely you won't die. And so he got them to break their trust in God, and that is the essence of original sin, choosing our will over God's will, breaking faith, breaking trust with God. And what happened as a result of this broken faith, this broken trust, is that we first, we got separated from God. The very source, in, in, in Genesis chapter 1, it said the Spirit was upon the water. It hovered over all things. It was the Spirit of God that was at, at the very beginning of all creation. In, in and through all things is the Spirit of God. And so it is the Spirit that gives life. Out of, we say, uh, out of dirt we come, to dirt we will return. God formed us in His image, and we weren't formed just out of dirt. It is He breathed on them the breath of life. The very spirit of life God gave us so that we would be uh, beings with free will that allows us to love and is the greatest gift if we use it properly. But like any kind of tool, it can be tremendously helpful or it can be tremendously destructive. And if we use it to love God, to trust God, then it is the, the most amazing gift. But it is also the core of our sin. At, the, at its core, we read in Genesis 3 that it is us choosing our will over God's will. It is us breaking faith and trust with God. And when that happens, we were separated. He kicked us out of the garden. Now, you can take this literally, metaphorically, whatever you want, but the spiritual part is what happened, is the important piece. He kicked us out of the garden. He said, now you're going to struggle. And it wasn't so much of a curse, but now you, you open the door to good and evil. And you're not qualified or built to deal with that kind of stuff. But now you're going to have to face it, and you're separated 
from the very source of life. It is, again, how did we get life? The breath was blown into us, and we were alive. And when we are separated from God, we are now separated from the very source of, of life. And thus we bring sin, that's when we choose our will, and death upon us. So we're all going to die. I don't care how good you are. I don't care if Jesus did a miracle for you. You know, I tell people, and they're, they're always kind of shocked, but then they go, yeah, that makes sense. I said, you know, every, the miracles are not the main thing in the Bible. Jesus does miracles. Every miracle he performed was for a greater purpose, a greater teaching purpose. Because living in this life, I said, every miracle that Jesus performed, you know, all those people, they all died, right? They all died. So if that was the point, then if, if that's the point, then the miracles weren't any good. But that's, Jesus tells the paralytic in Mark 2, those friends bring the paralytic and he, he heals him. But what does he say? He says, I'm going to heal this man so that you know that I have a greater power to forgive sins and thus heal your soul. And so that was, there was a purpose for that. And so when we, back to the separation, so when we are separated, now we're separated from God. And all of us are on a track of dying. We have this physical life where we have this opportunity through Christ to get reconnected to the very spirit of God that is abundant life, that is eternal life. And so we have the opportunity through this process of dying to ourselves, saying, I no longer want my will, but I want your will. We have an opportunity to get reconnected to the very spirit of life. That's what Jesus is telling Nicodemus. You must be born again. And how are you born again? When we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior. And now we can just take that as face value. That's the beautiful thing is about the gospel. It can be as simplistic and surface as you need it, or it can be deep and complex. And you can study it. So we can just say, I need Jesus, and I want to be reconnected to God, and I don't want my will. I want, your, I want God. I want your will. And so in the person, so let's go back to Genesis 3 and look at the, the contrast. Adam and Eve and Adam, not that Adam, because this isn't a good reference, so I wanted to pull you out. Um, Adam did what? He broke the faith. He's representative of Adam and Eve, humanity. Adam means humanity. And he broke the faith. He was, he was in a garden... And he was tempted to choose his will over God's will. And what did he choose? His will. Because he's human. And he's flawed. Right? And so he chose his will over God's will. Thus, the separation, original sin, separation from God, from the spirit of life, all that. And now fast forward to another garden in Gethsemane, right? There's, Jesus was in the garden, and I, I've said this before, but this is kind of a synopsis of the gospel, so you'll hear it from time to time. 
And Jesus, one man, and this is talked about in, by Paul in Romans, Adam and Jesus. And Jesus, he's in a garden, and he's tempted when he says, oh, wow, God, I would rather not go through this. He said, if you can, take this cup from me, is what he actually said. But he was saying, knowing what laid before him, he was saying, I would rather not go through this. And then here's the life-saving moment for us all. He said, but, there's my will, God. He expressed his will. But, not my will, your will be done. And so Jesus put his faith and trust in God. In his righteousness and his faithfulness, when we accept him as our Savior, when we accept him in that moment, his righteousness becomes our righteousness. His faithfulness becomes our, it's no longer ours. God no longer sees my unrighteousness, which there's a bunch, or my unfaithfulness. He sees Christ's righteousness. He sees Christ's faithfulness. And in that process, that mystical, magical, powerful process, we get reconnected to the very spirit of life. And we are born again. And the Spirit now dwells within us. See, if we're just talking about law and grace, we miss the biggest piece for us right now. It is the Holy Spirit that lives in us. And this is why we're doing this series. You have to understand our discipleship. I told you about the Missouri Senate Lutheran pastor that did law and grace very well, but he just kind of trashed Wesley in the theology because he didn't understand the Spirit. And what I'm speaking of is not stuff I made up. We're going by Scripture. Jesus says, you must be born of the Spirit. And so we must be reconnected to the very Spirit of God in order to have eternal life, to be redeemed, to be regenerated, to be reborn, to be a new creation. That is the Spirit of God that does all of that, not us. And so... And we have to understand this so we understand what it is to grow as a disciple of Christ. And it's not, the, besides being separated, the second point, I'm kind of jumping around. The second point is when we, got, when we broke trust, faith with God, we were separated from God and the source of life, the spirit of life, and the struggle began. I referenced that. But what is the struggle? The struggle is why, why God said don't eat from that because you can't do the wrestling with good and evil. See, and from that point on, they were starting from scratch. God said, you know, stay in covenant with me. Make a covenant with me. That will help keep you in the right way, in the good way. And couldn't do that. And they said, okay, here's the law. This will identify good and evil for you. It will tell you what is good. It will tell you what is bad. And then all you have to do is keep that. That didn't work out too well. And so we can't do it on our own. If we're of the flesh, I can't be and grow as a Christian. I can't do it. I can grow in my knowledge of Christ. I can grow in my knowledge of what it says to be good. As, as Paul says, but the law can't will you to do what it demands. 
So we can understand the law and what is good and evil, what is good and bad, but the law can't give us the power to obey it. It convicts us. And that's the struggle. You know, I talked about, you know, I'm bad at this. I'm bad about living by the law, my competitive nature, and I just turn it on myself. And I begin to say, everything I do is good or bad. Well, it's a good day. Because things went well, or this went that way, or this went that way. Oh, it was a bad day. And by, by definition, if you're thinking that way in the flesh, then that makes me either good or bad. Yeah, that's exhausting. As Paul says, the things I want to do, I don't do. And the things I do want to do, I, I don't do those things. See, I can't even remember that. So you, you've read it, right? It's a struggle is the point. It's a struggle, this whole good and evil. And through Christ, we are reconnected to the very spirit of life. We are born, we are given the spirit. We have access to the spirit again. And yet here's the important part of why we're doing this spirit. If we don't focus on the spirit and letting the spirit do its work, then we go from law, grace, back to law that we have to do. Jesus says the grace of the gospel of Jesus Christ is supposed to be freedom. He says, my burden is light. Take my burden. But we, it's our tendency to want to struggle, go back and redo it again. We want to struggle with good and evil because we want it to be about us. And God says, stop struggling. You know, I've seen people throughout my ministry, in prison ministry, in church ministry, whatever kind of ministry, And when they finally get it, that Jesus has done it for them already. When they finally get grace and say, oh, I'm a sinner. Because what happens is human secularism creeps in the church and we say, oh, we're all good. And then we have to, that brings judgment and condemnation because we have to, I might not be as good as uh, so-and-so, but I'm a lot better than so-and-so, right? And so then we start trying to judge and determine good and evil, and it's just a big mess. Jesus tells it's a mess. He says, don't judge. You can't do it. You're not qualified. But so this is the understanding. So if we understand, I have the Spirit in me, and we're going to get into some of this in depth on down the road, then I don't have to go out and take a Bible study about so I can get peace, right? That's what we think. That's the way our mind goes. I need to be a better Christian and I need to do this more and I need to do this more so that I can earn peace, that I can attain peace. The fruits of the Spirit that we're all looking for, fulfillment, contentment, joy, love, peace, all of those things, if we have the Spirit in God, if we have the Spirit of God in us, we already have those things. They don't come from the outside. The world, we, the world is where we try to find peace and joy and contentment and fulfillment from the outside. But if we have the Spirit of God, if we're reborn of the Spirit, if we've given ourselves, died to ourselves, got ourselves out of the way so we can have the Spirit. It's there. But it's like little Charles, right? Charles is not going to grow himself, feed himself. Has he fed himself yet? That'd be handy, wouldn't it? Right? No. Charles is here. 
And he's going to grow, but how he's going to grow is how that kind of atmosphere, little Briar Kate, the kind of atmosphere that uh, my daughter, and, and, or are they going to protect him? Are they going to feed him well? Are they going to, judging from the, all the sugar my grandson had, I don't know about that one. Uh, but but aren't, we're going to make an environment. The job of a parent is to make an environment that is conducive for healthy growth, not growing. We don't do that. A child will grow. In the same way with our spirit, we, when we talk about discipleship, we're not giving you a bunch of dues. You need to be in church. You do need to be in church, but not because I want to make sure our attendance numbers are good. For you. Like we shared with, with Aaron when she was, uh, came in and she was feeling disconnected, and she came in and she found that connection. The Holy Spirit did a work in her. She was here. And so you need to be in Scripture. You need to be in prayer. You need to be in service. You need to be in fellowship with other believers. And you need to do that as often as you desire, as you can, because that's where the Spirit grows. We need to make a, an atmosphere where the Spirit can thrive and grow in our hearts and in each other. And then our peace will grow. Our joy will grow. Our self-control, all that stuff will begin to grow from the outside in, but we got to make it conducive. Uh, Corinthians will get there eventually, but it says, who can know the, the Spirit of God but the Spirit of God that lives in you? So the Spirit connects to the Spirit. And so that's why sometimes I refer to this as the discipleship of connection. I can go to my men's group and I don't have an agenda. I, maybe I have had a good day, bad day, whatever, but I get there and I connect with other people of the same Spirit. And my spirit connects to their spirit and vice versa. And we leave that place refreshed, revived, refocused. That's what worship can do for us. That's, but it's not stuff we have to do. We go there so it can be done to us. So the Holy Spirit can do his work. So we can make a, 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 an atmosphere. You know how uh, an atmosphere that is not conducive to the Holy Spirit you know, where there's division and it, it's just above the fruits of the Spirit in chapter 5, where there's division, malice, pettiness, greed, jealousy, anger, all of those things. Have you ever been in a church like that or a situation like that and walked out and said, boy, I felt the Holy Spirit. You've maybe felt some spirits, but they weren't holy. Do you see the difference? It's about just being present. Because in the end how we get back into relationship with God, how we get reconnected to the Spirit, how we're born of the Spirit, is that we do what? Put our trust back in God. That's the thing. We need to stop struggling with good and evil and trying to be good and trying, to be bad or trying not to be bad. That's a struggle and it's gonna burn you out. Just follow Christ. You don't want to be at church because you did something bad or you're not happy with yourself? Go to church. Just show up. See what happens. But if you don't show up, nothing's going to happen. If you, if you are struggling and you just 
Just open your Bible, start reading. God will show up, not because I promised, because he promised. And the Spirit, we have to give the Spirit. And the more we give ourselves over to the things of God, the more God can grow his Spirit that's in us. So stop struggling with good. The Lord speaks to me at like four in the morning. And I woke up and at four in the morning, just clear as day. Stop struggling with good and evil and just follow me. Stop making it so complicated. Stop making it such a hassle, such a burden. You're not going to deal with good and evil. That's why you weren't supposed to mess with the tree. And stop making religion about good and evil and just follow me. I'll take care of the good. I'll take care of the transformation. I'll take care of everything. Just put your trust back in me. Not one time, but every single day. Follow me. How do we follow? Scripture, worship, prayer, service. Not with our agenda, but just let the Spirit move. Guarantee you, transformation will come. So, you must be born of the Spirit. And when you are born of the Spirit, you have the Spirit within you. And the means of grace that we talk about, the things of God that we talk about, are all things that help create an atmosphere that that Spirit can grow and thrive. Let us pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for your grace and for your mercy. I thank you for your patience. As we continue to try to follow our own will, trust in ourselves and our own ability. Lord, we try to be the purveyors and the judges of uh, good and evil, and we struggle and struggle. Lord, help us, as the song says, simply trust you. Call us to something. If you nudge us, if you um, desire us, Lord, help us just to be obedient and trust you. And put ourselves in places that are conducive for the growth of your spirit, where your spirit can thrive in connection with God and with others that are filled with your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As I prepare the elements, take a few moments and ask yourself, where am I struggling? Where do I need to... I I know it's a can cliche, but, you know, I, I don't like it either. But it's good. That's why they're, they come back. Where do you need to let go and let God? Because so often we're just hanging on to things so tight ourselves that there's no room for God. So think about the struggles that you have. What is impeding? What, it's not just making a conducive through the means of grace, but it's also what do I need to remove that is an obstacle to the growth of the Spirit in me? Might be a habit, might be an attitude, might be something, a burden you've been carrying your whole life. It might, if you're like me, it's several things. Just take one at a time. But it's, that's part of making this uh, uh, an atmosphere that's conducive for the Spirit to thrive removing those things that are squinching or squelching the spirit. So take a few moments as I prepare and think about what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. Oftentimes when we come to these moments, we start talking to God or we start judging. Just let the, God will tell you. 
Let the Spirit speak to you.